We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. think is actually funny about the look that we have going on right now is that we're both wearing a rotowire shirt we're both wearing glasses except i look like you without like a wig on like you look like me with a wig on because you have the big fluffy hair and yeah i gotta course... cut that i guess but no uh... <laughs> oh my god that's sacrilegious my friend do not cut that hair I, you know how jealous i am of that well it's it's not that like thick or anything it's just kind of long and uh curled a lot so it kind of oh. like but it's it's a uh, it's just I, I don't get haircuts. I just shave all my hair off like twice a year, or once a year, I guess. In this case, yeah. I um, mean, at this, at this point, though, I mean, you, I mean, you have like that's what my back hair looks like. I mean, I don't mean to be explicit. I know this is a sports <laughs> podcast, but it's you know, I mean, at some point we're going to be brought to you by Man Grouper. But anybody uh, who tunes into see Mario and John, I'm Alan Soslowski, sitting in for John McKegney on the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast Midweek Edition. Of course, I'm here with Mario Puig, and we are going to be performing a two round mock draft for your redraft league, single quarterback league, a shocking draft. You you weren't so sure when I when I titled this shocking. Oh, I wasn't it wasn't an uncertainty thing. I was like, oh, uh if we're doing a wacky draft, that sounds fun. I mean I could do that. Um <laughs> but if, if we're doing a normal draft, I wouldn't want to get too wacky. Yeah, no, no, don't get wacky. Just pretend per, and also this is the the parameters for our draft is that you're not pick like if you're pick because you're gonna pick first overall. Okay. OK, you're not. And then when you pick third, that's not the same team. You're operating as an independent manager. So mm-hmm. when you pick first, the, the next player that goes on your team is the player that you pick at 24. Sounds good. Yeah. yeah so you're operating independently. And what this exercise really does is kind of parses out the first round. We're here in June 1st. And, you know, there's there's more uncertainty in what the ADP will form in round one than there ever ever has been before. How many best balls have you done? And have you had that same experience so far with the first round? I actually haven't done any yet. I've had a bunch of like at home stuff to deal with lately, but I I mean to get into it pretty much right now. And uh, yeah, not that this is answering your question exactly, but I've I've decided this year I'm going to do a little more like wide receiver, heavy early stuff just to kind of uh, uh, hopefully not get too many injured training camp injury running backs at high prices right now. Uh, but yeah, once once I get, I don't know, 10 teams in, maybe I'll have to uh, reassess and, and try to try to make like a, a responsible portfolio rather than what I usually do, which is just kind of impulse drafting my favorite guys over and over. You hit on something that I've already because I'm 30 best balls in already. OK, so I'm, okay. I'm deep. I'm deep. So this is perfect. So you have the person who's who's coming out of the, the trenches and a guy like you who's battle tested has not yet been in the trenches. So this is going to be a perfect, you know, perfect uh, push and pull for yeah. sober thought. And what you know, what I'm going to be a little bit jaded because I've been in the streets a little bit. Um, let, real quick, let's pay some bills. Everybody knows that the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by Dynasty Owner. Do you love fantasy sports? Are you ready for a new challenge? Dynasty Owner is basically the next level of fantasy sports. Mario, you go in, you do contracts, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I'm an, I'm doing my first team, my first Dynasty Owner team this year. So if you're just if you think you're one of the best Dynasty players, and we know everyone always thinks they are, go in there and try DynastyOwner.com. Uh, one of the I think is they have a very cool setup. It's not complicated. It's just a, more of a challenge. So that's uh, I want everyone to go check that out. Just if you're going to go peruse the site. All right, here we go. Mock draft. This is going to be one QB PPR 
Any other uh, questions before we start? No. Um, yeah, I think I think I'm ready. All right, you're on the clock at one one. This is a thousand dollar draft. This means something. Who would you Who would you take at the first pick overall? Well, I would take uh, if I'm if I'm only doing like one team, I'm taking Jonathan Taylor for sure. If I'm for later on, if I'm at like ten teams and I got six Jonathan Taylors, I might have to switch things up a little. But at the first pick, if I have one bullet, I, I'm definitely going with him. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think he is basically developed as the consensus one, one at this point. Right. I mean, there is, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. and yeah, and- you gotta, I guess, like I said, if you get too much uh, exposure to him, maybe you switch things up a little bit, but I just, uh, for all the ways it could go wrong, there's, there's of course the threat of regression just inherently. And uh, there's other great running backs in the league that could have big seasons and surprise us. So he's not a lot to finish first among running backs or anything, but I think his uh, range of outcomes is, generally the highest among all the players i used to always say that when people took adrian peterson number one i said it's not you're never gonna like people that are expecting adrian peterson to finish as the rb1 in those years i think they were misguided it's that he's a lock to finish as a top six running back and that's what you love about taylor that's kind of the thing with like mike trout and baseball a few past few or not so much this year or last year but before that it's like he'd always finish like second or third but you'd always take him first because the two and the three would switch so much yeah, you don't have to name the player, but is there anyone else that you could say yes or no here? Would you consider it one one if uh, if you wanted to switch it up a little bit and that you would feel good? Yeah, about? it would be pretty much all receivers, I think, for me. Otherwise, I mean, Taylor, okay. like Dalvin Cook and McCaffrey, if everything goes right. But I, I worry about certain things, durability with uh, Dalvin, durability, and even more so the team with McCaffrey. So. Uh, if I'm pivoting off of Taylor at one, if I've, if I've had a few teams at the first spot and I already got a Taylor share or three or four or whatever, then it's Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup, and Jamar Chase are all candidates at that point. No table talk here, uh, Mario. No table talk. You got to let the board play out as it is. All right. I'm on the I'm on the clock at pick two. And, oh, by the way, if this was a super flex redraft league, would you go quarterback or would you still take JT here? I'm just curious. I don't mean to claim to have any super flex or two QB expertise or anything. And, and uh, I don't know if that makes me a bit of a, I don't know, Mark in that setting, but I would take quarterback just cause I, I get so scared thinking about what might be left. And I, I don't, uh, I can't work through a scenario in my head where I feel safe. So I take one for security reasons, basically. Okay. Here's where the shocking draft comes in because I, and when I say shocking, I'm not just, taking this player at number two to shock the world. I've actually done this in the best ball drafts where I have the second pick and a lot of sharp guys like yourself are taking the receivers. I'm taking Najee Harris for the exact reason that I just told you before. You can't win your fantasy football draft in the first round, but you certainly can lose it. There is no doubt in my mind that every single week Najee Harris has proven durable and that he is going to be ranked in all the weekly rankings as a top eight guy every single week. Now, I know there's some quarterback uncertainty. To me, that's even better for Najee Harris. And there's higher upside guys who I'm sure we'll get to. But in round one, the first shocking pick, but this is actually a player I would take, is Najee Harris. Um, I've gotten some squinty eyes when – when I've taken him based on the logic that I've provided that he's a safe pick in the first round. What do you think? I think your reasoning is totally sound. And like you said, you can definitely lose your league in the first round. If you get step on one of the landmines. So in Harris's case, you do worry somewhat about the explosiveness in general. And certainly the the quarterback, I guess is maybe a bit of a concern, but uh, like you said, with his workload that he's certain to have, it basically would require injury for him to be the reason that, that he was a landmine in the first round. And that applies to any player. Yep. Okay. You're on the clock at pick number three. Yeah. I'm going to have to go with Justin Jefferson. I, I don't, I don't know if I think he has last year's Cooper cup season in him. I I don't really, it's just that I kind of, uh, I think Jefferson is, is a super consistent, consistently high ceiling and high floor player who, uh, it's it's almost like to me he's he's one of the wide receiver categories of of the the Harris kind of uh, consideration like you mentioned because there's just no way that you can imagine the Vikings offense operating without Jefferson pushing ten targets a game and he is almost a lock to be one of the most efficient receivers in the league too. Yeah, I uh, I had this discussion with um, a friend of mine yesterday and we were talking about. If you're who's going to be the first wide receiver off the ball of the board, I agree with you. It's Justin Jefferson. Uh, he was yelling and screaming for for Cooper Cup, who 
by the way, I'm going to take it pick four. I'm going to take him at pick four. And, uh, but I think that, you know, it's like, what's the outlier? See, we already have what five or six seasons of Cooper cup. It's only one time that he's had this amazing all-time season. Most of the time, the reason his ADP was round four last year, round five, is because that's what we thought of him. Now, we know that Matthew Stafford is the quarterback, and previously he didn't have good quarterbacking. But what's the case that – why didn't you take Cup as the first wide receiver off the board? So, if I, sorry, if I had a bunch of teams already and a decent amount of Jefferson exposure, I would totally be okay with taking Cup at two, even one, if, if I needed to. And it's not that I really expect him to regress so much. Uh, I, I, I would kind of be disappointed if he has less than 1,700 yards or, or you know less than 100 yards a game. It's, for me, the knee – uh, he's had a bit of a knee history. I'm not worried about decline or anything, but that knee has had problems in the past. And I don't know, maybe the, I didn't watch closely enough to know for sure if anything changed last year, but generally the Rams have left Cooper cup with a lot of dirty work that d- doesn't really, uh, you don't see other star receivers having to block linebackers the way Cooper cup does. So that's, that's a little concerning to me, but if he's able to play, I think he's infallible. I don't think, I don't think there's anything that can stop the way him and Stafford were working last year. I mean, it, everything gets adjusted to eventually, but I just, I don't know. I, I, I can't remember the last time a receiver was just that unstoppable who wasn't like a, you know, Randy Moss case, like just winning because they're such freakishly fast and, and, you know, great leapers, whatever else. Like Cooper Cup was just, the defenses could not figure it out. Uh, and, and I don't think they really can. So uh, he needs to get hurt to fail. And of course, uh, we're, we, we got to be basically optimistic, I think, with these guys. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's the caveat for every pick. Obviously, injury. I mean, you know, it, it, injury is a strategy in the first round because running backs do get hurt more often. And But most of the time, those are the guys that win your league. Cooper Cup certainly won people their league. If you had Cooper Cup, you made the playoffs. If you yeah. had Cooper Cup and didn't make the playoffs last year, things went incredibly wrong, you know? Uh, so I think one of the best signings of the offseason, non-quarterback, obviously Russell Wilson, to me, is the best signing. Um, but... Allen Robinson. I mean, that is the such the undercover great signing. How do you think Allen Robinson and his end zone, his his how do you think that affects Cooper Cup this year? Yeah, it's uh it's a tough one for me to think through because I don't really think uh they had a wide receiver function in the offense last year that will look like the way they use Robinson. Like I think Robinson's addition opens up new possibilities some functions that they didn't really show last year because Allen Robinson isn't really an underneath laterally oriented receiver the way Robert Woods was and I don't think they're going to get good results if they try to set up some of those borderline you know screen pass those these drag routes that Robert Woods would run uh, where he gets the ball at like three yards past the line of scrimmage and runs for another 12. Robinson's okay at that he's not like terrible after the catch He, he I mean earlier in his career he had pretty good runs I think if I remember right so uh the thing is Woods is really good at that stuff and Woods is not as good at the downfield stuff as Allen Robinson is and especially if you're thinking like you know going going one-on-one with a corner on the on the sideline that's that's a Robinson situation like that that's that's a situation Robinson can capitalize on better than Woods so I almost am imagining less lateral route running in the offense next year maybe more uh trying to like isolate vertical routes, probably a lot of like option routes and stuff like that. I, I'm not, I'm not super familiar with the, the way they handle their route combos, but there might be a lot of plays where Stafford kind of has just the freedom to, and the receivers too have the freedom to kind of do uh, like hot route option route stuff uh, where they kind of determine where they're going to run based on the defensive leverage. And I, I can kind of imagine them setting up a bunch of uh, attempted one-on-one matchups and uh, utilizing the run threat to like kind of, keep safeties off of one player each play. And then Stafford kind of just looks for that one player each play. And if you leave Robinson in single coverage, uh, especially on the boundary, I would say that's just tough for a defense to stop. And it probably more threatening than Robert Woods was last year before he got hurt. Of course. You know, my, my thing, my feeling is that, you know, uh, Cooper cop was a set it and forget it. Uh, player in DFS last year. I mean, it was similar to like the year that Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson, like put them in your lineup, doesn't matter what it costs, and then figure out the rest. My fe- my um, my concern, I guess, with Cooper Cup is that, you know, everyone saw what happened. They're going to pinch on him a little bit. And that's going to, you know, not shut him down. Cooper Cup's still going to be a monster. But it's like, are we going to have games 
where they're Allen Robinson games. And we have Cooper Cup where before you'd put him in, you'd have your, you know, t- lock in 24 points for fantasy. Now you're going to see a few of those, you know, three for or like six catches for 30 yards. But Robinson has eight catches for 102 touchdowns. I think, you know, once or twice a year. And again, that, that's, that shouldn't deter you from taking Cooper Cup. But I mean, what's a what's a reasonable touchdown projection? If you want to get to 1,900 yards, it's like you said, you basically can have no down games. So even one down game is enough for for Cup to miss last year's uh, you know historic course. So um, I think I think he was due to have like a little bit less production anyway. I don't know if it would be because of Robinson exactly, as much as just kind of it's impossible to yeah. to play at a. Hall of Fame level, like 20 games in a row. Eventually, you're going to have an off day. Yep. Are you familiar with Reality Sports, Mario? No. Reality Sports is a powerful fantasy sports platform where owners get to build and manage their own fantasy team like a general NFL general manager. It's time to go and see what all the buzz is about in the Dynasty community. Free agency, multi-year contracts, rookie draft, multi, uh, multi-team multi trades, franchise tags. Think it sounds complicated? It's not. The best thing about Reality Sports Online is a fa- you are like a fantasy front office. So it it's basically takes the same amount of time, but it requires more strategy. That's what I like about Reality Sports. Think you're among um, the fantasy elite? Well, this is the platform for you. Still not sure? You could test out your general manager skills for free in a mock free agency auction. That sounds cool. If you like what you see, use the promo code ROTOWIRE and receive 10% discount on your team or your league today. Fantasy just got real at realitysportsonline.com. See how I worked that in? It's pretty slick. <laughs> uh, all right, Mario. Uh, we, we're doing a two-round single QB mock draft. You took Jonathan Taylor one. I took Najee Harris. Um, shocking pick. Uh, you, of course, took Justin Jefferson. I think so far the best pick on the board. I took Cooper Cup, and you were on the board with pick number five. Who are you taking? Yeah, I'll go with Jamar Chase here. Um, I, I do have him behind Justin Jefferson and Cooper Cup for target volume reasons, but if, uh, especially in best ball, if I've got a bunch of Jefferson and Cup exposure and Jonathan Taylor exposure even, uh, I could take Chase as high as one if, I, if I'm really cornered into it, if I, if I really need to get some exposure. But ideally, I, I think five would, would be a fortunate spot to get him. I, I think probably he's usually gone at by four, I would imagine. I, I might be making that up. But Here, I'll uh, give you, in a, in a <laughs> sample of one right here, uh, Jamar Chase went at pick eight in my last best oh, ball. Okay. Well, I, I probably intend to get a good amount of Chase picks then this year. Yeah, the reason why I think that there is some market hesitation on Chase, and pick eight is not market hesitation, but the reason is that everybody, the sharp drafters saw Chase go away for a few weeks. Like, just what we talked about with Cup, this actually happened with uh, with, uh, Jamar Chase. We saw T. Higgins, like, for four or five weeks. He was the guy, and Chase was, you know, an 11-point fantasy point guy. So it's not that we think that that Jamar Chase is not the best receiver on that team, but there are, you know, we – actually have a sample of one where we saw that go away and your first round pick you don't want you don't want any weeks you want it to be what cooper cup was last week you want it to be what justin jefferson this week but uh, like i said the case is clear the upside is so massive for jamar chase yeah i think the inconsistency you mentioned is like at, at once it's going to be ongoing and also it's kind of insignificant to me just because uh you're, you're getting them at a lower cost than with Cup and, and Justin Jefferson. And the, the reason I had them ranked ahead of him is specifically because their roles are necessarily high volume all the time. Uh, there's, there's no other way for their offenses to exist without those two pushing 10 targets every game. Whereas, and, and the, the reason for that is that Jamar Chase runs more difficult routes, basically. He runs farther downfield, which makes it more difficult to just get open in the first place. And it's more difficult... It, it's it's more difficult for the quarterback to throw those routes accurately. So it's easier for Jamar Chase to, you know, have a dud game because that 60 yard touchdown he normally gets was a little bit off in the wind or Joe Burrow just kind of like got hit when he threw it and it wasn't quite there. So that kind of stuff can knock off Chase. But with Cooper Cup, it's like if that play happens, that's fine. They'll get him on a seven yard curl the next play and he'll run for 10 yards after the catch. And what Cooper Cup does also, he gets like one or two runs a game, you know, too, which is like little end around, or he'll have a rushing touchdown here and there too, which again, over the course of a season adds up. Yeah. And uh, so it's like, I, I, I definitely agree that there's an inconsistency variable with Chase that doesn't apply to the other two, but since he costs less anyway, I think it's just kind of like, you know, you, yeah, 
If we could get Justin Jefferson at eight, it'd be great, but it's just, Oh no, that's not happening. That's yeah. not happening. Yeah. So uh, the other, all right, so I'm on the clock here at pick six and I, anyone who's heard any of the podcasts I've talked about, I've sworn off Christian McCaffrey in the first round, but you know, your real rankings come out when you're in the draft room and yeah. when he's been falling to five and six, I have been taking him. You know, there talk about that. What I just said at the beginning of the pod, where like you can't lose, you can't win your fantasy football draft for first round, but you certainly can lose it. Christian McCaffrey, there is some question marks now about durability after two seasons. And it sounds like that he's not going to play a preseason game. And you could easily see the case where they brought in Foreman to maybe, you know, take goal line touches. He, he is a pretty good back. So I'm going to take McCaffrey at six, but I'm interested to hear your, uh, your feedback on how Foreman affects us at all. So Foreman was a pretty cheap contract. I, I think he's a good player. I like Foreman. I've, I've liked him since Texas, but um, I think he's more of a problem for like Chuba Hubbard, really. Oh, yeah. I, like, I think the Hubbard thing is pretty much done. I don't really think he can play, uh, but you're right. At the very least, Foreman makes sense if they got, you know, if they got a second and two and they decided we're going to run it two times, it makes sense to put in Foreman there because you're, you're running him right into a wall. So that that is something that could, I guess, sap a, a rushing touchdown count that we already don't expect to be very high uh, and maybe the most dysfunctional team in the league. Um, we'll, we'll see who get, gets that particular title, but I, I got to make the, the Panthers the favorites because I, I think they are completely tailspinning in every sense as an organization. I think, I think everything's wrong there. So I want to ask, ask you about that because that, that's a good thought. Who do you think the Panthers will start at quarterback, and who do you think they should start at quarterback in week one? Those are two uh, different questions. Yeah, so I think – who do they, do they, they have they just have, uh, Corral have Sam, and Darnold. Corral and Darnold, and you could even talk about like a, a trade if you think that would happen. I personally don't, but – Yeah, I if, don't – the Baker Mayfield thing is weird. He's he's difficult to move for the Browns, and I, I don't think any team wants to pay anything to get him. No, so, uh, and the Browns may need him. I mean, another allegation about Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I don't think now, Watson's so. playing this year. Um, so – I don't even know if that means Baker would play for them because he might be just so alienated that he can't. I have no idea. Jacoby but in any per, case, Jacoby uh, Brissett, does, Jacoby oh, Brissett cannot bring the Browns to the playoffs. Baker Brissett Mayfield at can't least can't get can. them to five wins. Um, right. That's so, what I'm so, saying. Yeah, so uh, Baker Mayfield can do that. So oh, certainly. Yeah, he's yeah. A, Baker Mayfield might be bad or something, but he's way better than Brissett. They yeah. they can't let Brissett on the field. They gotta like trade All for right. Heineke or something like that. Bring um, me into the Panthers QB world. I want to know what's gonna yeah, happen. Yeah. So. I think it's doomed. I don't think it matters who starts, but I think Darnold will start, I don't know, four or five games. It won't go well. They'll put in Corral. It'll go worse. Uh, maybe like six quarters. That'll be it for Corral. Ooh. Then it'll be back to Darnold. And then if it gets bad enough, maybe they'll go to PJ Walker or something for a game. But uh, it's going to be hellish whatever way it goes. Wow. That's that's a damning – so, you know, it's interesting because the, the Panthers have a different uh, – let's call it, say – motivation than say someone like Atlanta whereas it seems that the uh, Matt Rule and them are fighting for their jobs whereas Atlanta is basically I think they have every motivation to see if Desmond Ritter is good because when they undoubtedly get a top eight pick next year they don't have to go quarterback if Ritter ends up being Dak Prescott or Russell Wilson right I mean the chances of that are five percent but at least you want to see if that five percent is is real I mean, the, the scenario you laid out makes perfect sense. I I personally don't have any confidence in guessing which way that would go. And, and one, one reason for that is I think the Falcons are going to be surprisingly competitive, like mm. mainly because of Arthur Smith, who I just happen to think is a really good game planner. Not that I agreed with everything that he did last year, and I, I really hate the, the depth chart. I, I hate the roster that they went into the regular season with, but I don't know if that was more on the GM than him. In any case – Going into this year with with Drake London at receiver and Kyle Pitts, uh, he's he's going to be uh, turning in uh, twenty two in like October, so he's still going to be getting better all the time for the next two or three years. Kyle Pitts, uh, you're talking about, right? Kyle yeah, Pitts. yeah. Um, so him in London and Corderell, I think, uh, like Arthur Smith, I think found a way to use Corderell. I don't think that was just Corderell getting a couple lucky breaks here and there. I think. Smith is a more pragmatic coach than most, and I think he can find ways to make players useful that that other coaches wouldn't. Um, with that said, you're, they obviously have a terrible roster, and especially on defense, I would say they have a terrible roster. Even their offensive line, uh, there's there's two guys doing Mayfield and the right tackle, Caleb McGarry, are just absolute 
awful player, mm-hmm. or at least last year they were awful. Just got Matt Ryan killed over and over. Matt uh, Marcus Mariota can only take so many hits, of course. Um, so he could just give way to Ritter for injury reasons with that offensive line. But man, I don't know. I think I think they might they might be kind of like the Lions were last year, where it's like everyone they're of course expected to lose pretty much every game, but I think they might cover more than people expect and they might even win more games than people expect just because I think they might be the kind of team where you you will beat them if you show up as the opponent and you do what you're supposed to but if you show up flat if you're sleepwalking into the game they'll I think beat some teams that didn't think they were going to lose them against them all right Mario yeah no that was me it was me oh (laughs) you're on you're on the clock at pick six and what I'm gonna give a little behind the the scenes here uh, your your host right here just spilled coffee on my keyboard, so I'm not going to oh, interrupt. No. Yeah, it's okay. It happens. It happens. Uh, I'll, uh, um, so I want you to make your pick. I want you to break down that pick. But I, all I'm doing is right here. I'm going to go grab a towel and clean it up. It's no big deal. Everything, all my equipment's <sighs> elevated, but it is annoying. So yeah, make casualties. your pick, and I will be back in less than 30 seconds. Okay, keep going. <laughs> make your pick. All right, all right. Um, I'm going to go with Dalvin Cook here, and there's there's certainly concerns with him, but for me. Well, geez, I don't, I don't want to just assume that that legal thing with the, that woman that he allegedly beat. I don't, I don't want to just assume that's going to go away forever. But if it does go away, we still have to worry about Dalvin Cook's shoulder, uh, which has been separated like three times now. So uh, that's that's concerning. That that gets it easier to separate in the future. Uh, hits are going to knock that shoulder out that uh, wouldn't have you know before he already knocked it out one or two times. So. With that said, if, if Dalvin Cook does not get hurt, he's just going to rake because he's an elite talent. And he's in an offense that should be totally competent at worst. It might be one of the better in the league, actually. So, yeah, I, I, I think that uh, Dalvin Cook's usage, uh, max range usage, can't theoretically match uh, McCaffrey. But I think Dalvin Cook is going to be so much closer to scoring range with every touch that he gets. And as a pure runner, I definitely think he's uh, ahead of McCaffrey at this point. Uh, I think you might be muted. You see, sorry about that. And again, I'm, uh, you see me cleaning up over here. It's crazy. Um, spilling coffee on your uh, keyboard right here. Is, you got any, good... is it hot coffee? No, no, no. It was oh, okay. lukewarm. Lukewarm. I've been sitting here for a while. So now I have like that smell of coffee. Like, but the, it's like the smell of spilt coffee. It's like, it's similar to the, the, the smell of like beer in a bar. You're starting you to smell in. like a laundromat or something. <laughs> yeah. like Public laundromat. So, so your pick of Dalvin Cook, the show must go on. We're professionals here. The, uh, the, yeah. um, the pick of Dalvin Cook is a sharp one. I wouldn't even blame anyone for taking him as, you know, as the second running back off the yeah. board. He's so undervalued and he's actually uh, in our dynasty section, which you and I put a lot of content on on rotowire.com. By the way, you can try rotowire right now for free. Premium, get all our rankings, get Mario's dynasty rankings, his projections, his articles, our premium podcast. I do the Superflex rankings. Get all that for free right now. Rotowire.com forward slash try. Unlocks the paywall for 10 days. Uh, but Dalvin Cook is the player I get the most questions about in Dynasty. And what I tell people is because uh, everyone wants to get out on the premium asset who's 26 going on 27 years old before it, they have no value. Like Kind of like they think of him as like, He's going to be Melvin Gordon next year. Not true, right? Uh, so I think an edge in, in Dynasty is to take a look at the redraft rankings and take a look at the ADP for the Dynasty startup rankings and look which players have the biggest chasm, and those are the, the screaming buys. Now, Dalvin Cook is RB4 in redraft, and he's RB14 in Dynasty startup. That may not seem like a lot, but at the it's, top of the rankings, that's a like massive. a lot. Yeah. yeah. So do you agree that Dalvin Cook is one of these guys that's being prematurely discarded by the dynasty market? So not to give you a cop-out non-answer, but like one of the interesting things about dynasty is there's so many answers that, uh, you know, might turn out to be wrong, but at the time are totally fair and justified. It's just, there's such a wide range of outcomes. Uh, There's only so much we can know. And some of, some of these, you know, some of these things that we have to guess with, with such little information on pertain to these really uh, volatile players like Cook. And I, I mean volatile um, mostly in a positive sense in this case because it's like he could be the top overall finisher in fantasy and he could do it for the next, you know, this is not likely, but like he could do it for like the next three years before he really starts to decline. And with that said, he also could go out in week one 
separate his shoulder for a fourth time and kind of just have like an arthritic shoulder or something and never really uh, never play more than like 12 games in a season or something like that. So there's, there's with him, you know, McCaffrey too, McCaffrey, especially, I mean, it's like he could finish number one by a large distance or he could finish with, you know, four games logged. So though it's really easy to be either right or wrong, either very right or very wrong with any of these players like this. So everything, pretty much every viewpoint is permitted, I think. But if he's really going at like the, the 14th running back price, I think that means it's a good market for trying to win now, I guess. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you get him in the third round of the startup drafts where everybody, you know, where people are reaching up for Javante Williams. And, you know, I mean, if you're going to have like twice as many yards from scrimmage. Oh, year. dude, Javante Williams was RB 17 last year. I, I mean, there's not really a great case for him to be higher than that. You know, I mean, what, RB 13? And you're projecting. And Melvin Gordon is, is Frank Gore, right? He's, he caps it. He's very capable. He, he's, a, he's like the team loves him. He could pass block. And he does everything well enough to cap the fantasy ceiling of a young running back. So he's t- this – I mean, you could see Melvin Gordon having that type of a career, right, where he's the new Frank Gore. So that would only be surprising to me for the reason of uh, Frank Gore – might have been kind of just like a one of a kind, like, you know, I don't know if he's like a, a gym rat or what. I don't know why he lasted so long the way he did. It's because especially that guy like tore his knee up like three times in like the from like age 19 to 20. And then he plays until he's like 37. No one expected that at the time. Um, so anyway, Melvin Gordon is, uh, yeah, Melvin Gordon, I think is going to be a hindrance to Devonte Williams. And if, if, uh, if Melvin Gordon gets out of the way, Javante goes nuts. But in the meantime, if you're trying to compete for this year, Dalvin cook has, I would say for the next two years, Dalvin cook, Dalvin cook needs to get hurt for Javante Williams to catch him, I guess is where I'm yeah. going. So here is why I think Dalvin cook, your pick at pick seven is a better pick than my pick at pick six with CMC in redraft is because what do we know about Dalvin cook? Pe- people ding him for his injury history, right? They say, Oh, but so if we're going to reasonably project number of games for Dalvin cook, would you say 13 and a half is a, is a fair number? Yeah, uh, I think that gives and a him a bit of a margin. It's like, if, as long as that shoulder doesn't get knocked out again, he should be kind of okay. I know he had the hamstring a couple times, but... Well, I'm saying, if you're if you're in charge, uh, Mario Puig is in charge of projecting the reasonable number of games for Dalvin Cook this season, what are yeah, you setting that number at? Yeah, I, I might be more of an optimist, so I might be kind of like 15 or something, but uh, okay. it's not unreasonable. To but everyone would bet the under. You need to set the line so people are like not sure which side to take. Um, I'll Yeah, 14 and a half Fine. or something. So, okay, so here's my greater point is that you, he gets dinged. Dalvin Cook gets dinged for his perceived you know games he's going to miss, mm-hmm. but there is no player – there's two players, but uh, that uh, are first round pick. One player is a first round pick that has a clear handcuffed who you could get at a reasonable cost. And Alexander Madison is that guy, right? You, if you draft out Alexander Madison should probably be a ninth or 10th round pick in single quarterback leagues, but you could take him in the seventh round. If you're the Dalvin cook uh, manager, right. And you have, So I'm guy- looking at a, sorry to interrupt. I'm mm-hmm. looking at NFFC ADP from, I think the past month. And it looks like Madison goes, just in the the first 10 rounds, which I don't know. I, it would be great to have Alexander Madison as a Dalvin Cook investor. That might be a little too high for me, though. That might be like a pick I need to be getting depth at Fine. receiver or something. Fine, but what I'm saying, and I agree with that. Like, you should not be taking Alexander Madison be, uh, at his draft cost. But what I'm saying is that if you are getting Dalvin Cook at such a great value, pick seven, and you want the... You want the insurance card. You want the mm-hmm. the place where you know that like you don't even, the the thing that you don't like about Dalvin Cook is that you know he's going to miss three games or you assume he's going to miss three four games. If you have Alexander Madison on your bench, you're not even worried about that anymore. And again, bench right. size is going to plant if it's a four bench. Maybe size. easier in Dynasty than redraft to to arrange that Dynasty. If you can get Cook at uh, running back fourteen, just get Madison uh, a little bit later, and then it's in Dynasty you can find other ways to fill out that r- roster. Yeah. But I think getting a big profit from Cook as it is. The problem with Dynasty and Alexander Madison, and this is a discussion, is that he's a he's an unrestricted free agent next year. I think that there's a chance they let him walk. Uh, mm-hmm. So you could be, I mean, Alexander Madison will be 24, so that's still, he could get another yeah, he's gig. he's young. 
Right. He's he can get another gig, but next year you got to assume that's why the Vikings are are loading up on some of these fourth and fifth round running backs. They took uh what's that guy's name? It's like New Angle. Chandler, they took in, in I'm talking last Juan year. Wu. Not yeah. So those guys again, you know, they're they'll see. And if if they don't work out, they'll just draft again in the fourth or fifth round. So you got to see that they're already starting to fill the coffer to back up because Dalvin Cook's not going anywhere. So it, it's an interesting debate. But what I really like about Dalvin Cook is if you're a handcuff person. It's clear because a lot of times it's not clear, you know, like, yeah, I don't know if anyone, uh, some people might be looking at that Chandler pick and thinking, oh, Chandler might be the backup. He's not gonna, he's going to be competing with Juan Wu to be the third one, like special teams gunners. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. So I'm on the clock at pick eight, I believe, Mario. Is that right? Let's say yes. <laughs> Sorry, I'm I'm keeping like a, a list of guys off the yep. board and not an actual order. But uh, we're, we're in a PPR league. Yeah. We're in a PPR league. I'm taking Austin Eckler. There was a couple guys I was nice. deciding between, but uh, you know, it's funny. He had that massive touchdown uh, count last year, I think it was. And do you want to let me look up on? Actually, don't look it up. I want to surprise you here. So I think his his rushing touchdowns were like twelve or something like that Eckler? last year. Yes. Yeah. What was his previous high in rushing touchdowns, Mario? Take a guess. Um, He's been fantasy six. relevant for – okay, it was three. Oh, wow. Right. So betting on touchdown regression for Austin Eckler is a is a sharp strategy. He's been going in the top five. I don't wouldn't take him there. Austin Eckler has been on record as saying he wants someone to relieve him, you know, and I would think that that in means – and or just you know he doesn't want to take the hard hits. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, you know, if and they drafted Isaiah Spiller. Where were you on Isaiah Spiller? Do you think he's an adequate backup, someone who could take eight, ten touches a game? Yeah. So Spiller's history is kind of interesting. There, it was pretty recently that you had a lot of people in the dynasty scene, the NFL, whatever Twitter draft scene, who were kind of hyping him as like a first round pick or something. And uh, that I emphatically rejected i did not think he was anything close to that but where he ended up going was fine like the fourth round and yeah to be the kind of between the tackles specialist uh, you know kind of like a a backup in title but one who's the first in line for a particular function that's totally suitable i think i mean he's he's definitely not some bum he can do he can do a lot of things totally fine um, but yeah, he wasn't like a first rounder. There's, it's just, uh, it's just people got a little too ahead of themselves with him. Yeah. He, he'll be better than Josh Kelly for sure. Yeah. So I, I think that there's a, you know, there's a case for Spiller and I'm going to give you the super bowl, bold case, uh, take that if that does play, if he shows NFL capable, we could see, uh, you know, be, because the offense is so good, the LA charge offense is so good. You could see Isaiah Spiller, if it works out getting eight, nine touchdowns this season, you know I mean? Not a lot of yardage, but they could use them on the goal. And again, that's the super totally. bowl case for him. Cause that's so the one they... thing else. Oh, sorry. In defense of Eckler though, I think that regression was, or sorry. Um, the, the, the low, the low rushing touchdown total from before, I think that was mostly because of Melvin Gordon being there. Fair. And I don't think Spiller is going to do that. Like Spiller, I think is a guy who give like 10 carries to a game and, uh, ideally short yardage in the red zone, whatever. Um, so I do think the Chargers are pretty dependent on Eckler. Uh, like if, if he regresses the, to three rushing touchdowns, I think the Chargers had a bad year. Um, but yeah, you're right. He's, he can only take so many hits. I mean, he's, he's like five, nine, 190 or something and there's he's no... asking he's openly and he's yeah. a fantasy football guy right he's been <laughs> you know so you remember last year when he told everyone uh, pick up justin jackson we weren't sure which back to pick up and then justin jackson won you week 15 which is huge i'm gonna be listening to austin eckler and if he says oh my guy isaiah spiller man he's gonna you know draft isaiah spiller so all right you're on the clock we need See, to pick uh, up the, the, we, the we need to pick. hive has found me man they're, that's they're right they're coming after you man at coming at you <laughs> yeah draft him first overall uh see how it goes um anyway uh so before, we're, one to- second before we pick up i just want we're going to take a quick break for not for our youtube audience we're going to take a quick break for our podcast audience stick with us when we come back mario is going to make a shocking shocking pick at ninth overall we'll be right back we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And we're back. So we're on. We're doing a two-round redraft, one QB mock draft. Just to give a quick review, uh, Jonathan Taylor went first. Najee Harris second. Justin Jefferson third. Cup four. Jamar Chase fifth. CMC went sixth. Uh, Dalvin Cook seventh. I love that pick. I took Austin Eckler at eighth overall. Marriott on the clock. We need to pick up the pace slightly. Let's knock out these next few picks. Who are you taking at nine? I'll take Stefan Diggs. I think last year marks kind of almost a worst-case scenario for him. And uh, I think... Josh Allen's probably going to complete a higher percentage of his passes this year for a little bit more yardage per attempt. And I, I think that will uh, kind of propel digs more toward his uh, 2020 numbers. Okay. Like that pick can't argue. He's going to be, the market's going to be down on him a little bit because I think what he's happened. too cheap. I think yeah. he's rich. Yeah. Yeah. I think in some of the sharper drafts, he'll go on the one, two turn or, you know, I mean, I want I, that pick then. I think that's a yeah. really good value. If you're on the end cap, Oh, and we'll get there when we get there. All right. I am on the clock right now. And you know, it, it's funny enough. I, I want to call, there's a couple of running backs here who go in the second round, but I am just going to draft how I would draft. So I guess this is a shocking pick Mario. If I'm on the clock at 10th overall, I'm taking Aaron Jones. And I'll tell you why. Oh. It's it's not that Aaron, you know, there's a Aaron Jones will be splitting touches to some degree more than he ever has, probably with AJ Dillon. But look at those games that Aaron Jones had without Devontae Adams. Guess what, everybody? Devontae Adams isn't there all year. Uh Aaron I love Rodgers, Aaron Jones. Yeah, yeah. Aaron Rodgers is circle of trust guy. There's one guy as of today, June 1, who he trusts, and his name is Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones every year gets you double-digit touchdowns when he combined his rushing and passing. I think that there is if there's a player that goes in the second round that could finish as the number one overall running back, it's Aaron Jones. I'm not screwing around and waiting. If someone if he starts to move up, uh, you know, I don't want to chance it. I'm gonna take him at pick 10. I'm happy in the NFFC where you get third round reversals to take to get a late pick because I want Aaron Jones. I want a good player in the second. Then I'm going to be sitting in prime pole position in the third. Give me the quick Aaron Jones feedback and then give me pick 11. I love Aaron Jones. I think he might, he's almost kind of to green Bay. What Eckler is to the chargers to the kind of thing where if you're not projecting them to score a bunch of touchdowns, you're just not projecting that team to score a lot of touchdowns. So uh, he's explosive. He always has been, he's been the same player going back to UTEP. Uh, never should have fallen to the fifth round of this draft. So uh, I, I think he's going to bounce back after a, a little bit of a down year last year. Yeah, his ADP is 20, so it is shocking that I'm <laughs> reaching up to take him there. But I, I think that the, the market is just missing on him right now, and they think that he's going to be a split guy, which could be, but the reception should more than make up for it. Uh, give me a pick 11. Yeah, I'll go with Devontae Adams uh, while we're on that subject, I guess. But yeah, he's he's, I think in for a downgrade going to from Aaron Rodgers to Derek Carr, but especially in PPR scoring, I think he he's one of those first round picks that just cannot hurt you. Oh yeah. No, that's it's, 
it's funny because Adams is uh, it, it's he's always been the first wide receiver, the second wide receiver off the board. The uncertainty is driving him down, but he's still Devonte Adams. I, I know there he's you know, catching a hundred passes at least. Yeah, maybe not for that much yardage, maybe not for that many touchdowns, but he's catching a hundred passes for sure. If he has the you know fourteen games or whatever. Okay, so what we're going to do is I'm going to pick both picks on the turn, and then when we get back the other set, so we'll reverse the order here. So if I'm picking from the 12 spot, and I have two picks, and I'm at this point, uh, it, it, there's a lot of different ways you can go. But it's not necessarily – just when I thought I was out, Mario, they pull me back in. Do you like The Godfather? I am not well-versed on it, I'm ashamed to say. But you know that line, right? That's oh, like yeah. A, yeah. I'm, I mostly know it through Silvio Dante. Right. Well, that's Sopranos, man. Yeah. That's a no, Soprano. but he, no, I'm saying he does oh, it. That's his right. bit in the show. Yes. Right. Okay. They're Fair like, enough. Silvio, do the thing. Right. Right. Very good. You know what? I thought I, you know, I was about to school you here and you schooled me. So the reason why Al Pacino in Godfather three says just when I thought there, because he was trying to go legitimate. And I think one of the oh, most yeah. legitimate ways to draft is don't take an early round tight end. It's so bad. It's such bad process. It never works out. I tried it with Gronk. I tried it with Jimmy Graham. It's never worked out for me. I should say, I don't want to, if you want a league like that, good goof for you. But when the minute that tra- that uh, Tyree Kill was traded, I was like, "Oh my god!" I, I it, yeah, it's yeah. there's is the under over for targets for Travis Kelsey is going to be like 147. I'm gonna I, he can get 107 just targets alone. Uh, he's a great player. You get such a positional advantage. I'm going to take Travis Kelsey on the turn there, and then I just don't want to be left out of the running back uh, bonanza. I, I don't like what happens on the way back, so I'm going to take uh, DeAndre Swift there. Uh, I like the receptions. There's a couple other guys that I, I considered, but DeAndre Swift just seems like he's a good player. The Lions are ascending. They're going to use him as part of their game plan. Uh, quick comment on that, and then you're going to be picking at the 2.2. I'm a little concerned about DeAndre Swift. I, I like the talent, certainly. I think he's he's very dangerous when he's on the field. I worry about how much he's going to be on the field. I'm not sure he's the kind of guy who can take on the volume that's often in his prorated projected stats. Um, he has broken down both seasons in the NFL and the one year at Georgia where they tried to give him a big workload. Like He split time with a uh, Elijah Holyfield early on, if I remember right. And then he had one year where they upped him to like 15 carries a game and he had a shoulder issue by, uh, by like October. So I'm concerned for that, but yeah, if he stays on the field, uh, he's, they're going to keep giving him targets. I mean, he's, he's a, he's dangerous when he's out there. That's the one thing I'm concerned about. I agree with you. He's got a lot of concerns, but you know, you just don't want to be the pass catching running backs do have a certain degree of insulation, but it's not a pick. I love to make. He can do Eckler stuff. If the offense is healthy enough. Right. Right. There is a case for him. So, okay. You're on the clock now. uh, 2.2.2. All right. I'll go with Joe Mixon here. I don't think he's a great running back or anything, but the usage is just so high in such a high scoring offense. It's kind of a, it's just one of those picks you don't need to worry about too much. Yeah, that's who I was considering had I not taken uh, Swift there. So, uh, that you know, in these drafts, Mario, who's going in the top five? Like, we're taking him way below ADP. In, in all Swift the... is going in the top five? No, no, Joe Mixon. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I was thinking about Mixon for the past few picks, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, are you any concern about the, thir- the usage on third down, pass catching? I mean... Not you really. Know. I mean, sorry, did they add anyone? I know they have P Ryan no, and he was doing it. some of that. So I, I don't know. I think he's going to, he's going to get, you know, 15 to 25 carries per game in any given game. And then if they fall behind, he should get a couple six catch games there. But yeah, I guess if they're, if they're rolling and they're, they're kind of controlling the game, maybe they don't throw to mix in that much. Yeah, but I agree with you that it's it's such a workhorse, and the offense is just so good. I mean, they're going to be if it was know, P Ryan, I'd almost if if like Mixon wasn't on the team and it was P Ryan in the role, I'd take him here too. It's just it's such an envious role. Yep, absolutely agree with that. Okay, uh, I have CD Lamb at two point three. It's just it's all set up well for CD Lamb to get high target volume. Mari Cooper left. Dalton Schultz is the only other viable target, which we don't agree. He's not like super athletic or anything like that. Uh, you know, the offense will still roll through Zeke, but uh, with Michael Gallup set to miss at least until Thanksgiving, and then the only other player they really have there, uh, Noah Brown, who was okay, and then it's they James have Washington James and uh, Jalen Tolbert. Pretty yeah, much, yeah, Tolbert rookie. I mean, you got to think that CD Lamb. This is 
if, if it's going to happen I for love CD, CD Lamb. Yep, if yeah. it's going to happen for him, it's I mean, this is the year, right? I mean, there's there's nothing in his way to prevent him the from the only concern targets. that I have is Mike McCarthy, but I I don't know. They're so dependent on getting Lamb targets that I it's almost like he can't really screw it. If they screwed it up last year by trying to get Cooper targets, like they were trying to force the ball to Cooper a little bit uh, to, to, you know, keep him happy late in the year. Uh, that was, I think, leaving Lamb with some of the t- higher difficulty routes. And that's, I think, why his 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 targets kind of fell off a little bit late in the year. But if CeeDee Lamb is going for less than 1,400 yards this year, you need to be out on Dak, too. Yep, uh, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, if Lam, if there was le- if uh, if there was better offensive coaching, Lamb oh, yeah. would be going at pick ten, pick eleven. If you gave McVay this offense, they'd put up like forty points a week. Right. So I'm I'm the price of Lamb is baked into his second mm-hmm. round cost here. So you're very happy to get him. And Dak is if you're into stacking, Dak's a, a stackable quarterback. You don't have to pay the premium for him. All right, you're on the clock. Two four. What do you got? I'm scared about the foot, but I'll go with Derrick Henry and, and Ooh, try to be did, optimistic about his health there. How did we? Uh, how did I? Not you. How did? How did I not think about Derrick Henry? I thought about him when I was taking Eckler. He goes in the top five. That might be a miss by me. Um, well, it's uh, it's like you said, getting those landmines in the first round is how you take your team out right away. And we don't know what's going on with that foot. They they made him rush back. They shouldn't have done that. I hated that they did that. And I'm worried about his future because of it. So, and I would have been worried anyway, just because of the, he put so much torque on that foot being such a freakishly huge and, and forceful player so fast for how huge he is. That's all going on the foot, you know? Yeah. So there's our shocking pick. Derrick Henry falls out of the first round, the second round. He probably won't do that. And your draft will go top six, top eight. Uh, so, okay. You know, but I do like, but there is uncertainty. I think maybe we're right about that. Like you don't want to, you don't want to base your whole team on what you saw last year. Cause when Derrick Henry came back, it didn't look a hundred percent. Right. I mean, we, we're going they on rushed track him way back. It shouldn't have happened. Yeah. I mean, they needed him for the playoffs and he is superhuman. You know, on, on the podcast one time I interviewed his high school coach and they try to scale, you know, the legendary gave him Did 50 you see his high school tape. Oh yeah, I mean, I some of the his... funniest football the... film you could ever see. Totally, yeah. I had his coach on the podcast, so uh, it was you know we'd said like, is that child abuse to give him fifty carries? He goes, listen, I tried to not do it. He would like basically goes it's child don't... abuse for the other kids. Yes, that's what he said. He goes, you know, so he wanted more. He said uh, he scaled it back. All right, moving along here, uh, we're in uh, t- pick two point four now. This is risk, but I think it's worth the risk. Alvin Kamara is possibly facing four game suspension. I'm making the number four up because that's what seems with his pro ball incident, pro bowl incident in Las Vegas. Now there's a chance that nothing happens, but in the second round, even if it's four games, I'm okay with it. He is man. He he's one of the few guys, you know, he's one of only three active players that has five RB one finishes. Do you, can you name the other two that are active players that have I think it's th- so that four, let's call it four RB one finishes that are still active in the NFL. Uh, and I don't mean yeah, over one overall. I mean, top 12, I mean, top 12, you know, the position, uh, Ch- Chubb, uh, nope. McCaffrey. Nope. Uh, ready? Alvin. I won't keep Alvin Zeke and Mark Ingram. Oh, of course. Ingram. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I think Kamara is really, really good. I think he on a per game basis will be excellent. I am worried about the, a suspension threat. I think he uh, got himself into some trouble there. He uh, There's footage of him doing this. What, he like kicks the guy like six times or something. And even worse, I think maybe he said that like to the police, the guy was running from me. It was like, if the guy's right. running from you, you're not in self-defense justification at all. So uh, I think he's going down for at least four. Yeah. All right. So, but if it's four, let's say it is four. Let's say they announce it today and it's four games. Do you think pick 2.5 is still reasonable draft cost, or would you not do it at that point? I wouldn't, but I can't say anyone's wrong to do it. I just, I'm afraid of the risk. And part of it too, is it's like, he could miss two or three games because he pulls a hamstring or something. Yeah, but that's right. And that's baked into his normal, but there's nobody else there. Right. I mean, he is the offense. I mean, you have rookie. I guess they say, maybe Ingram is going to get his uh, whatever his fifth RB one finish this year, too. Can, he's still can you believe it? You can. He's on the waiver wires in deep dynasty leagues like Mark Ingram, I think, is a, a very yeah, good. Think, very, if Kamara's going to miss time and we're all worried about that, then apparently we should be drafting Ingram or Tony Jones or something higher. But you don't see either of them in any demand. Yeah, no, Ingram's an interesting, um, you know, week one, week two play. I, I could see him, you know, 
being useful. All right, you are on the clock, Mario. We're doing our two-round mock. We got to speed it up. We're going to try to get everything under an hour here. Uh, you are on the clock, I believe, at 2.7. Okay. Yeah, I'll go with Chubb 2. 6, here. 2.6, 2.6, 2.7. Okay. I'll go with Nick Chubb here. I know his ceiling is somewhat capped by Kareem Hunt being there. And for what it's worth, I don't expect Deshaun Watson to be playing much at all this year. So I'm not, I'm not really anticipating like a 20 touchdown season from Chubb uh, like I normally would if he had a decent quarterback on the field. Nor do I think that Kareem Hunt will be cut. I think that's absurd to suggest. But they could trade Hunt, and Hunt can get hurt like he did last year. And whatever the case, if Hunt is out of the way – Nick Chubb goes straight to the, I don't know, top five, something like that. So I like Chubb a lot where he tends to go at, I guess I do every year. Yeah, no, Nick Chubb always undervalued because he doesn't have, he doesn't have it in his range of outcomes to finish as the RB1, but he's if always Hunt gets good. hurt. I mean, Chubb's a really good pass catcher. It's just, he's, he's had Hunt there to block him a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I think Hunt is really good and I don't think Hunt is going anywhere unless some other team starting running back gets hurt and they offer like a third rounder to the Browns because the Browns are going to get maybe a third rounder as a compensatory pick when they let Hunt walk next year. Yeah, that that's interesting. That is, and they also have Dearness Johnson and they drafted uh, Jerome Ford. So they're, they're still loading up on the back end. All right. I'm going to take Leonard Fournette again. This is a player that I would take in the end of round one. He's locked in for a workhorse role with only a rookie behind him, regardless if you like Rashad white or not, Tom Brady uh, and rookies, there's not a long track record of him being like, yeah, uh, rookie running back, I want you pass protecting me. Uh, you you study the college tape. Is Rashad White known for his pass blocking? Is he known not to be a pass blocker, or is he just somewhere um, in the vast He's middle? the kind of guy you want running routes and getting touches. You don't really want him blocking that much. Not not. I don't even. I don't know how much of, how good of a blocker he is. I just mean to say, when he's on the field, I expect them to use him because he's. I think he's pretty dangerous. You know, from from scrimmage. So I think. I think Rashad White is almost exactly the same as Tony Pollard. Okay, fair enough. And what we saw is when you have a workhorse like Zeke in front of him, there's, you know, Tony Pollard is not a, he's a, he's a good fantasy asset, but he hasn't been useful. He's overrated by almost everybody though. He hasn't been useful. You've had one projected start from Tony Pollard, one where he, you kind of threw him in your flex and you got lucky, but there was only one defined start for Tony Pollard. Uh, Leonard Fournette. He's just like an NFL sixth man kind of thing. Yeah. He's good all purpose, but he's never going to take on volume. And if you give him volume, you'll fall apart. I, I agree with that take. So Leonard Fournette at 2-7 is at ADP. Again, I would take him a lot higher than that, making up for my terrible miss on Derrick Henry. 2.8, Mario. What do you got? I am a little bit concerned about this pick that I'm going to make, uh, but I'm going to go with Debo Samuel. I think he's awesome. I'm not concerned about his part of it. And I love Trey Lance, actually. And I, I, I expect slash hope that he'll be the starter. And if he is, I think he'll by, I don't know, October, be much better than Jimmy Garoppolo ever was with the 49ers. However, even the good case scenario for Trey Lance is one that might be bad for Debo just because they will throw less with Trey Lance than they will with Jimmy Garoppolo. They'll run more, and Debo might get in on that a little bit, I guess, depending on what happens with his kind of standoff with with the 49ers, you know, asking for more money if they're going to keep using him that way. I don't know what gives there, but if the absolute, you know, most destructive scenario for the 49ers happens and they have to trade him or something. I don't think he was a product of the Shanahan system. I think he's just capable of everything that we've seen. So um, if he's in the Lance offense, I, I think it'll more or less be fine just because I expect them to have plenty of touchdowns to go around, even if he catches something like 15, uh, 20 fewer passes, but that reception count will go down with Lance in there. They're getting ready to pay him, man. He put all his social media up. They all the the trade they talk. They should. Quieted, yep, all yeah, the trade talk quieted down. Uh, his ADP is around thirteen or fifteen. I think you got to steal there. I love that call. Of course, it's not going to be the same type of workload, uh, but I mean, he's still going to be a every week fantasy difference maker when he's there. There's some. So many different ways you can get him the ball. Uh, I like Saquon Barkley ahead of ADP. There's a lot of reason to not yep. uh, to, to pass on him there. I understand if, if people are cowards and don't want Saquon Barkley there. But, I mean, we've already saw what his his upside is. And I like the offense. Uh, I like the Brian Dable. And I like what he could do from a passing perspective. So I'm hoping that that translates to the running backs. I know that Saquon Barkley has not caught the same number of volume of passes due to injury, but also since Eli Manning left, I still think that uh, Saquon Barkley could be, the, you know, finish way ahead of his ADP. I'll, he's going in the third round. I'm happy to take him in the second. You're up at the uh, 210, I believe. 
Yeah, I agree with everything you said about Saquon. I intend to target him quite a bit, mm-hmm. uh, at, least, at least until his price goes up. So, yeah, this is kind of a dead zone for me. I'm feeling kind of gross about all the options <laughs> right now. Good. Um, but I'll go with I, uh, um, I'll go with Mark Andrews. Uh, I'm not thrilled about taking Andrews here. I, I don't think he's – I think he's a really good player, and I think he's kind of the, the wide receiver one for the Ravens in function. But I'm not convinced – that he's going to be better enough than Kyle Pitts this year. Uh, like I kind of wanted to just take Pitts here, but I know it's too early. So I'm going to take, maybe, maybe let's say I'm in a, uh, let's, this is not NFFC or something. It's a league where I can trade and maybe I'll take Andrews here and see if I can kind of get the Pitts owner to give me a backup running back or something. I'm going to teach you a lesson right now, Mary, right? You're, you've been doing this longer than I, than I've been even thinking about fantasy, but I'm about to teach you a lesson. I'm taking, <laughs> I'm taking Kyle Pitts at two. Oh God, no. Yes. And I, I would have, you know, I almost thought about the last pick. So get your guy. Which Love I don't Kyle know Pitts. Yep. Yeah. And I hope that made you feel horrible that I'm taking him here. Uh, because... I mean, I, it actually made me feel better. It makes me feel less crazy for, for <laughs> thinking so long about taking Pitts instead. Yeah. You know what it is, is that it, it's the second round is where I'm willing to take that big swing because I know I will take a safer guy in the third round. Now, if you, if you go, I always advise people take a um, take a you know a not don't swing for the fences. Take a, a safe floor in the first round, and then each round your upside quotient, your risk quotient should increase. Kyle Pitts is the perfect upside quotient right here. Now I think he'll go a little bit later than this. You would probably in a real draft get a swing at him at in round three, mm-hmm. but I, I'm going to take him here. I, I had him queued up. You can easily see the case where you're like, oh my god, this is a first round tight end next year. So I'm going to take him at two eleven. You have two picks on the turn, and, and we're right under the number, right under an hour here. So this is perfect. Okay. So you're on the turn. You took you took Taylor at uh, you took Taylor at one one. Who the heck are you going to take on the turn here? Two picks. Uh, I guess I got to go receiver. I'm going to be maybe a little bit unconventional and go with Mike Evans, uh, even over Tyreek and whoever else, just because I I I hate Tom Brady. I'd love to see him do terribly this year, but I bet he won't. Uh, I bet he's going to throw forty touchdowns or something upsetting like that. And if he's throwing however many touchdowns, 32 plus, and Chris Godwin is playing less than 750 snaps on the year, it oh, almost God. necessarily. Godwin got to, hurt, what, week 14 last year or something like I that? I think he I mean, might be back. I mean, some of these ACL returns and Achilles returns have been happening really quickly lately. And he's he's a young, really athletic guy. So we'll see. But in any case, if if we're if we're as worried about the Buccaneers as we should be, or as as I am anyway, and if we think Godwin is anything but a lock, then the slack necessarily falls on Mike Evans. Or So that's how I see it. So uh, I think Mike Evans is like a clear Hall of Famer. I'm, I'm very high on him in general. I think his numbers have been less than his abilities just because, I guess, because of Godwin mainly. Uh, but if Godwin's out of the way, I, I think Evans is totally prepared to pick up all of that slack and more. So I know that you thought that was a shocking pick, and it is. You know why? Because in my last draft, somebody took him at 2.9. You got him at a value. You thought you were reaching. You got him at a value. Yeah, I don't think it's I, – I, so I, I, I guess if, to be tedious, I, I don't think it's a reach. I definitely stand by it, but I, I can understand why someone would be like, you know, you should take Tyreek or somebody instead. No, that's all quarterback driven. I mean, Mike Evans is a, for me, would be a solidly over Tyreek Hill just based on the quarterback alone. I mean, never bet against Tom Brady is a good bet until it's not a good bet. All right, you're on the turn. So you have Jonathan Taylor. You took it 1-1. You came back and you took Mike Evans. Who would be, who would you start the third round off with given that team build? Uh, I guess I got to, maybe I should go receiver. I'm not sure, but uh, to be uh, shocking yet again, uh, (laughs) I guess I'll go with Brees Hall here. Yeah, there you um, go. Just because I think he's clearly a very good three-down prospect, and uh, I I find his critics kind of annoying. The people who criticize that pick kind of annoying. So I'm definitely rooting for Brees Hall to uh, get a, a you know Edger and James style Rookie of the Year award to make them hopefully stop talking. Well, I actually got a dynasty trade. I want to run it by you. Maybe this helps someone out. Uh, I'm in a uh, a league where we just started, but uh, the, the guy who has one one, obviously that's going to be Brees Hall, and I have one three because it's a it's a new league. He um he I wanted Brees Hall, and he's agreed to move back the two spots. So let's assume that's going to be London. Okay, well, just for these conversations, he wants to in order to swap places with me. 
he wants Zeke Elliott as the tack. So basically, it's London and Zeke for Brees Hall. Which side of that trade do you like better for Dynasty? London and Zeke, mostly that's because I'm just very high on London too. And I guess I have some sort of a Zeke truther thing going on too. Yeah. But love Brees Hall. But you take the you take the two players because depth- I'm super high. I think I think there's a, a case to make for taking London 101. I would take Hall 101. But if someone took London first, especially if it's you know like a two running back three receiver league, like how are you going to say that's a bad pick? I, I wouldn't. What if London went off the board at two and that pick now is Kenneth Walker? Would you do? Don't Walker? like that as much. I like Ken Walker enough, but I think Hall is is a notch above him, and I. In, in the case of Walker, it's like you need Penny to get hurt. You need – Which he Chris already Carson's is, by the way. He already is. Penny's hurt uh, He's back in practice already. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, he's back. But, yeah, uh, I, I like Walker. I, I think it was a justifiable pick by the Seahawks. I, I was I was a little bit pissed off at the time. I was like, God, oh, why didn't you let him go to a team that's just going to feed him right away? But it's fine. It, 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 he's a good player, but it, he can't – he can't have like the three down projection that Hall does. Not right now. Anyway, I don't think he, it's, it's an unknown whether Walker can catch or pass block at all. Whereas with Hall, you don't have to wonder. All right, everybody. You've been listening to the road to wire fantasy football podcast, midweek edition. I'm Alan Tislowski. You can follow me on Twitter at Alan Tislowski. I'm sitting in for John McKechnie, who normally does the podcast with Mario. Mario, what's your Twitter that everyone should go follow you the, on the posting scout. And they should not follow me. Yes, they, they should. They it's can, link, I guess. <laughs> it's linked in the video description below. And two other, uh, three other things quickly I want to urge people to go check out is that uh, we just put out a uh, two two pieces. And I want actually start with yours. What writing piece do you want people to go check out? And I'll link it in the video description below. I've uh, been doing magazine stuff for the past couple of weeks. So I right, so go by the magazine. Go by the magazine. Well, the, or the, the Drake London scouting report. I, I try to do like deep dive player scouting reports uh, like Drake London, Gabriel Davis were a couple of recent ones. Uh, Zay Jones I did earlier in the offseason. Um, stuff how like high, that I think holds up best with me. How high should people take uh, Gabriel Davis and redraft? What round should they go get him? Uh. I would take him a little higher in best ball because I think no, no, regular redraft, regular redraft. Oh, sorry. Regular redraft. Um, I don't know. Maybe like the fourth round, depending on how many receivers are already off the board. Okay. I like that. I was going to say fifth, but I like your aggressive. Depends on how many people, if there's other guys that are better, take them first, you know? Yep. That makes a lot of sense. All right. And I also, we just put out a dynasty rookie mock draft. You participated in that. Uh, I'll link that in the video description below. You could see if you have a rookie draft coming up, all the Rotowire writers participated in a 12 team rookie mock. Uh, so you could see where all your, there was some good, interesting picks in that one. David Bell got pushed up to the first round. I thought that was a little surprising. I see the case. I personally wouldn't do it, but I like the aggressiveness there. And you could see where all the quarterbacks went. It was a super flex draft. And also I just put out a, um, a dynasty trade chart. I mean, you get it all the time. People say, Hey, what can I get for this veteran? I'll link it in the video description below. I, I ranked that not ranked. I put by ADP, the top 60 players, and then gave you a suggested cash out for those players. So, and I ranked all and put all 32 quarterbacks from a super flex perspective, what you could expect to get on the open trade market. These are all based on real trades that I have either participated in or saw in other leagues. So check those two items out. John McKechnie will be back next week with Mario doing his regular gig on what do you guys record on wednesdays thursdays yeah wednesdays okay and i will be back on friday with joe dolan from fantasy points we're going to be doing a dynasty podcast so please check that out every friday we post a new podcast and new live stream uh and anything else mario before we get out of here uh no thanks for stepping in for john it's uh it's always good to podcast record with you i love it man i love working with both you guys my favorite all right everybody thanks for uh coming and checking us out in the live stream shout out to everyone in the chat and be feel free to comment which picks in our our mock draft here that you liked and which ones you thought were donkey picks mostly mario's picks yeah all right bye-bye everybody we'll see you next week